Wait. That's for Merrick. <laughs> um, we're re-recording this intro because we had some sound problems. So everything you're hearing here is us acting. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll re-say this again. Um, Bog Beef, my episode today. Uh, my guest here on The Carousel. And um, Bug Beef, who will be known to very many of you, is the host of Good Old Boys, a podcast. I would call it the finest prestige bant cast in the game. Uh, his co-host is Merrick, and they cover absolutely everything. They cover news of the day. They have color commentary on every imaginable topic. They cover the low, the high. They have car culture. They have Schopenhauer. Um, top guests. Curtis Yarvin, Oren McIntyre, they do all kinds of different stuff. And it's all from a right-wing Southern populist perspective um, that's also incredibly smart and incredibly well-informed. I mean, the level of your guys' cultural commentary is like straight-up grad school art nerd, except it's all delivered with this, like, Southern accent, like kind of Southern <laughs> good old boy accent. So um, just in talking about brands and labels – um, what do you think about this label bant, which means banter cast? Well, uh, you know, I hadn't really heard it or thought about it much, but, uh, I think it would definitely, definitely, uh, suit us because I have a real love for radio, radio as an art form. I'm, I'm one of my biggest inspirations is Adam Carolla, who pretty much invented podcasting, but one of the greatest radio radio men of all time. And so the, the thing is, you know, I've listened, there was a point where we were going to quit podcasting or whatever. And Merrick was in uh Merrick was like, yeah, should we, should we keep going? Has anyone listened to it? And I went and downloaded a bunch of other podcasts and I sent them to him. And he was like, Man, this is really bad. And uh, we should probably keep going. And, you know, I was there. There's, the, when we're when we are doing this, what they call banter, or whatever. I mean, there. Uh, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, like, it, would I listen to this? There, it's more. There's a lot more to it. There's a real art to it. That, um, and that's why I think I've, I've I've learned and try to take inspiration from people like Adam Kroll or whatever. That, um, it's it's not what it's 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 not one of the it, it seems. It's one of those things that um that uh a lot of work goes into it. I mean, I don't mean like that we, we pre-plan what we're going to say or whatever, but um, not just really, it's not so much work, I guess you'd say is like experiences. And um, like, we've spent a lot. I don't think there's anybody else on the, on uh, like the right wing. That's not on Fox news. That spent as many hours as we have live. I mean, I'm sh I shouldn't say that. I'm sure there are, there's people like been in the game a while, but we, we spent a lot of time, live and i think about it as live and in my head this is the rate i when i'm when i'm doing live podcasting my mind it's the radio it is the radio and so uh like if you were listening if you were driving home listening to the radio and there was 10 seconds of silence or something you would flip that channel in a second <laughs> right right so is that the work you're saying it's hard work like where does the work come in because you guys make it look easy and like most things that people make look easy, like it's actually probably really difficult. But so where, where's the difficulty? Well, uh, I was, 
a lot of it is just it's time time spent that you're doing it but time spent intentionally doing it so there's a uh you know i i've played guitar off and on for years and you can practice the guitar in a way where you are spending years with your your hands on a guitar moving them up and around up and around and you aren't getting any better and there's a way that you if you do the same thing and you're thinking about it and you're intentional about it and what did i do good what did i do wrong uh there's that and so i would say it's it's being live on the ra- being live on every week or the past well, i don't know it's now like about 3 years and doing it intentionally and thinking about man that it re- that really didn't work out last time or that that worked out well i should do i should do do more of that etc also yeah. just being a student of people like uh, of of a people uh great radio men like adam crowley b uh banter is a it's a kind of a it's a there's a a, a a thing to it i played sports and did this kind of thing and it, it's 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 a it's a thing that goes on among men in real life too without being on the radio it's also you guys have this <clears throat> i you can't see either of you because you're both anons, but just the way that your voices and your personalities go, it's like you can really picture you two. And maybe it's not what you guys look like at all, but you guys have this kind of Timon and Pumbaa thing going where it's like <laughs> you seem like the big, friendly, you know, cars, like you're kind of, you know, the warm presence, like the big guy. And he's this more like, High strong, not in a bad way. I, I love Merrick. I love what he has to say. He's he's so smart. But you know, he's more like the kind of crazier, like yeah, he's more high strong, like much more fast talking. He seems like the more like skinny Timon type. Oh, I think you're muted. Speaking of that oh. air. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all about being uh, an old hand at the game, but um so yeah, you. I mean, so certainly you can tell he reads more than I do. Uh, he's he's yeah. very knowledgeable. I think what you're one of the things that you. So first off, I mean, a lot of that is just kind of the way the South is. Uh, I could not live outside of the South, and I mean the Deep South, and I mean <laughs> like uh, uh, live in a certain kind of way. Also, we've known each other for a very long time, <laughs> like twenty yeah. years, and so I think that puts us in a different category. Uh, like when you know someone for twenty years you talk different it's it, it, there's a, there's a lot of comfort there and uh i'm merrick's not gonna you, you know he's not he's not gonna say something like wow dude, i never even knew you man or you know it's um yeah. i've known him a long time and so i think a lot of people pick up on that that we're genuinely friends and you just, i mean i'm not saying anything about anyone else but like you know if you're on you know i don't think Hannity and combs were were were, were roommates back in high school <laughs> when they're before they get thrown on the TV show together. Right. Do you guys hang out in real life? Uh, we, we have, but we, we don't live in the same place. Uh, okay. Um, so who are there other band casts in that you respect in today besides Corolla? I would say, you like? I would say basically just Corolla. I don't really, I, I, I don't listen. I try not to listen to anything close to us because I'm the kind of person that I would, like if I listened to other people's stuff, I would copy them. Yeah. And without even without even wanting to. And I 
I really don't want to do that. Yeah. I listen. I listen to Distributus, but he's so much different. I mean, first off, it's just him. Uh, I, I really like his stuff, and he's he's probably the exact opposite of of us. I think I'm going to have him on next week. Actually, I've been trying. I've been talking to him. Uh, he's. Um, I, I love him. The, the reason why I got into him is because when I. You know, you hear things that he that he says. I would never hear that in my world. He's the exact opposite. Like he's from the West Coast. He's educated, uh, and like so, I hear stuff that I would never, I would never think of because he's just the exact opposite of us. Yeah, it's funny. You Prudentialist, who I also had on here, said the exact same thing. Distributist is like an OG that I guess has gotten a lot of people into this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's Distributist uh, is, is fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to hear, we'll get to, to a little bit of how you came up, et cetera. Um, but let's like stick with this labels thing for a little bit. Sure. Um, populist. Well, I like when you guys have talked actually about populism uh, quite a bit. And because at times you've labeled yourselves as populists, And then at other times it's, you've said, oh, people don't really understand what that means. At one point, you called populism a technique like jujitsu, which yeah. I found to be extremely interesting. So, are, are is good old boys a populist cast? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't think we. I would. We, we are maxed out on populism. I don't know if if um, if you could have people that believe more in populism than than we do, and so. And the label, like, what does populism mean? I don't have a – I'm happy to go with the definition that's on Wikipedia or the dictionary and stuff like that. It's fine. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with that. I don't have a, a peculiar uh, definition. I think that a lot of people uh, do have a peculiar definition because it's an unfortunate word because it sounds, like, popular. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's it, do, it doesn't have anything to do – it's not popular. It's not, like, the most – uh, that's not how it works. And um, so, what is it? That, why is it a technique like jujitsu? Well, it, it the main thing, like so. There's a lot of things that go with populism, and I think a lot of things that you'll see, you, like someone like the Trump is the most recent example of a populist. And if you ever look in history at people who um, uh, they they get their own ism. That's usually a good. That's usually a sign of a populist. But populism. Oh is, wait, wait, wait. Let me. That's that's interesting. You're saying when somebody gets their own ism, like Trumpism, mm-hmm. that's a sign that they're a populist. It, it's a, it's a it's a couple points in that direction. I mean, it, it, it's not a hundred percent. It's sort of like, you know, it is. I I listened to a great thing the other day on is Trump a fascist, and they were talking about things that that. That seems like it is and seems like it isn't like, um, like, uh, like he has a couple things, but you know, he's, he's, he's not part of like a revanchist history person or something. Anyways. Um, but, but this with populism. So the main like technique of populism is you, you get, you're, you're sort of whipping. The main thing that you're doing in populism is you're subverting, uh, like an oligarchy, the group rule by, by going to, they say the people, but the the people doesn't mean the people. The people can mean any number of people that their support is important. So you know you 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 could potentially ignore a bunch of people. Uh, so here's the definition for Wikipedia. I really like it. it. Says 
Populism refers to a range of political stances that emphasize the idea of, quote-unquote, the people, and often juxtapose this group against, quote-unquote, the elite. It is frequently associated with anti-establishment and anti-political sentiment. Yeah, so your average populist person will say, look, everyone in charge is, is, is fucking you over, and they're evil. And if you just support me directly, we will, we will subvert the rule, however rule works now, like, uh, you know, whoever the, the, the Supreme court, fuck them. I'm going to, I'll be in charge. I will be the big man leader. And th- there's, there's degrees to this, right? So there's, deg- there's a degree where you say, I'm going to, uh, you support me. I'll become president and I'll do this. Or there's a degree where you say, support me and, uh, and I'll be a dictator or whatever, but yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. No, I think what you're saying is that when you're saying the technique, you mean that there's like a direct-to-consumer part of populism. It's saying like you have to deal with all these layers of bureaucracy and aristocracy and elitism normally. But with me, you're get you're talking to the genuine article. You're cutting straight through to the actual artist or the actual speaker. And there's not all this BS in between. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because you're, you're, which we'll also get to, you're like, you've said your core obsession is with patronage. Yes. And patronage, at least in like the Patreon era is kind of the same thing. It's like, you don't need the New York times middleman to get the news and commentary you want. You can cut straight to the, you know, just pay the artist directly. Like, is that kind of a form of populism? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, and uh, thank you for saying it. So, you know, I've said this before. I have to write a book at some point because uh, I don't I really believe in this stuff. And uh, I mean, I, I really, I really think this is the, the best way to, to run things. Populism, you know, you're like the, the exact opposite of populism would, is, is, would be like managerialism or whatever. It's like, yeah. you yeah. don't, don't talk to the big man. You're going to need to go through uh, yeah. layers yeah. of like abstraction. That's not really like, um, a judge in the United States isn't really their fate is not directly tied to anyone in the little strength in the little patronage tree that goes up the ladder. That to me is, is, uh, is really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like their fate should be tied in some way to the people that they're presiding over is what you're saying. Yeah. This is, uh, I mean, there's a reason why every business has like a CEO. Uh, this is like, um, the best way to run things. I think this is why. This is what I, we've, you know, you probably brought up with Yar. We've talked to Yarvin before. I know that would be a lot of people don't really understand that. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if he really understands that. That um, how uh, someone like him who's a monarchist, uh, and I, I, th- I guess I, you know, a lot of people who uh, there's a lot of right wing people, especially right now at this moment were very down on populism i think because trump lost the 2020 election i don't think he he really ran a a populist campaign i don't even know if that would have mattered but uh i mean the way that 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 yarvin maps out a a monarchist system looks a lot like popular looks like a populism to me so the classic example of course is julius caesar which he's uh he subverts the senate uh through uh direct patriot scheme now in america we have this long history wait 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 hold on can you can you tell us that story because that's not i don't know that what you just said about caesar i know you talk a lot about caesar but you're saying he 
I don't know this. He did some kind of direct patronage thing. Yeah. So uh, in Rome, so uh, all this patronage talk, like a lot of things, like like the way that we think about government comes from Rome. Everything comes from Rome. You know, Rome is the people that give you. I mean, the government is people who give you water and roads and stuff. This all comes from Rome. And in Rome, uh, they had a they they had sort of an, like a direct open patronage system. You had uh, you if you were an ordinary person, you would you would go you would need need a, need a patron that would that would uh, you would. It's a lot like um, a lot of people talk about. Have you seen The Godfather? Yeah, of course. So the classic and that that sort of all comes from the same thing. Uh, you know, in The Godfather. He says uh, the guy wanted his daughter's boyfriend beat up or something like that. And Godfather says, okay, I'll do that. But one day I might need you to do something for me. And that's, that's sort of how, how that, but it's, the, the patron is, is a, is a leader that, that uh, you're sort of, you need a lot of people, you need clients to represent their interests. It's, it's all, I mean, all this stuff is, is, is very like, uh, this is one of the reasons why an attorney is like, if you were a Roman gentleman of any kind of thing, you had to be an attorney because an attorney is definitely you, you represent your your client. When you walk into the, the courtroom, you are arguing on behalf of your client. This is how this worked. And so uh, to increase your power, you would need more clients. These there's these great quotes from he's fighting from one end of Europe to the to the other. And what's so interesting is in between these huge battles where he's this great general, there's no like the second the fighting's over, he is down by sets up a little a little booth and there's a line of people there to see him that say yeah caesar i need a favor my brother needs a job or uh my son was supposed to be a centurion and and he failed he failed this or he failed that and caesar says oh you know maybe i can do something for you but you're gonna have but now you're my client this sort of direct relationship is is the basis of patronage I see. Yeah, you're saying it's like a all relationships with power should be a skin in the game relationship. Yeah, and I, so and what I'm doing here is I'm taking something I've read and I'm pushing it further. There's a fantastic book that I sort of base all this stuff on called okay. There's this okay. fantastic book that I base all this stuff on. It's called The Dictator's Handbook. It's called like it's like how good politics, how bad politics is, is good. Well, I don't know how how bad intentions is good politics, something like that. And there's uh he sort of like the, what he got me started with it, and what he says is you should. This is kind of the basis, so you don't really like. So I take the patronage stuff to to mean something like this is how things should work, and you don't really have to go that far. I mean, like the way that that he looks at it is that. There's all these different ways of thinking about politics. If you talk to a Marxist, they say, you look at the class relations. If you, there's people say, look at the race or look at the, uh, the, I don't know, the finance sector, or there's all kinds of different ways. Like most, I think most people think about politics a lot. They will have a home base of like, this is where you start to look at any sort of story. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And in the patronage thing, you, you start out looking at, everything as a patronage relationship yeah okay i i dig it that's it's cool i i'm surprised that there hasn't been 
Yeah, I had a hard time understanding what your tweet was talking about when you you have a tweet at the um, pinned at the top of your Twitter that's about this. And I didn't understand what you were saying at first, but now and but listening to you, I do understand. And it seems like, yeah, you're it's like this is your lens in which you're seeing power or yeah, like government. Yeah. Yeah, and I had to I had to stop myself there because I'm taking the, I've I've been taking this much much further than Bruce Bueno de Mesquita, who wrote this book, ever intended this. I mean, I think he's um well he's kind of a mercenary that just sort of uh, uses this knowledge to make money, but um I think this is very important. And this is the kind of way like so, uh, it it I really like when I learned when I read this book and I started thinking about things this way. I mean, to me, it was mind blowing. And I felt like I understood things in a way that I never would have before. I think when people ask us what they want us to talk about, most of the time they're like, please talk, do more patrons, talk about more patrons. Because I th- really do think it is probably uh, the jewel of the program. Because it's, I, I mean, I, I really love it. And it's so, you can learn so, so much from thinking about that. But also, going further with it, you start looking at like who were who good leaders and why they succeeded and things like this. So we talk about like, of course, you want to look at the the people who really won or seem like they could have really won. People like the Julius Caesars, the Huey Longs, stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Huey Long, it, you've called yourself before a Dixie nationalist. So we've established you're a Bant cast. We've established you're a populist. What is a Dixie nationalist mean? Well, I, I would assume not. I'm certainly not backing down. That I would assume that would Merrick probably said that first. But I mean, I would certainly not back down from that. I love the South. I couldn't live anywhere but the South. Uh, I mean, I really love the South, and I like. I I hope other people love the places that they're from as much as I love the South. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't like the place I'm from at all. I can understand. I can understand that, and that's that. You know, that's one reason I feel so lucky that I do love the the South. It's 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 wonderful. One second. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like the South that much, to be honest. I I um. Well, you were in New Orleans. I was in New Orleans, so New I didn't... New Orleans ain't the South. Yeah, I mean, is it is the New Orleans the South? You think no, not the South. No, would you? Did you go there before? Were you there before Katrina or after? After. Okay, I haven't been there after. I know before it was a. I've been there before. It's a. It was a rough place, man. Yeah. I went into a. Uh, uh, everybody in my family works in the. Uh, uh, the boat, the the, uh, the maritime Mar- industry. Maritime industry. Yeah, the Tulane Law has a specialty in maritime law. Mm-hmm. Tulane is Tulane is a very prestigious. Very prestigious school in the South. Yeah, but in the North, it's not. And it's not a good school. It's it's like one of those places where they say um, it's, a, <clears throat> it's a real estate company that collects tuition. <laughs> That's what Tulane is. It's basically just like a – there's no serious – like I, I've been to, on campus in Harvard and Columbia, and those places are like, you know, the life of the mind. You know, everybody's like going to meetings with their professor, and it's it's like this really exciting place to learn. Tulane is just a bunch of young kids getting drunk, 
you know, barely going to class, <laughs> including the law school for that matter. Well, so uh, it has this prestigious reputation, but really it's not deserved at all. I mean, it's, it's like the architecture is this, you know, uh, brand new buildings that are kind of this phony brick, you know, it's like a thin layer of brick built on some kind of concrete and like fake paneling everywhere. It's, it's like a, this new university hedge fund chic kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean it's it's interesting. So first off, like you like you brought up, so when I when I say maritime industry, a lot of that of course has to do with um the oil industry. And the oil industry is it's Louisiana and it's Houston. Yeah, yeah, totally. Also, you know, it, I'm uh Louisiana has their own legal system. They have the Napoleonic law, right? Well, it's civil the, the difference is civil law and common law. So it's the only civil law state in the country. You know, people, uh, there was a lot of people that said Huey Long was the best lawyer they'd ever seen. Yeah, right. So that's what I was saying, Huey Long. So, yeah, he was a Caesar, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I just want to say also, you know, with with with, uh, with Tulane, you know, the the we, we call the good old boys. And good old boys has multiple meanings. So if you was this, uh, if you was to have a cousin that was named Bubba and he drove an old Ford truck. And he was a roofer for a living. He's a good old boy. <laughs> okay. Now the uh, the Phi uh, Kappa the Phi Kappa, uh, Kappa Alpha at Tulane. One day they're going to be one of the good old boys. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be no. in the. What do you mean? What does that mean? So the good old boys also means a totally different kind of person, which is the the Southern elite. The Southern Elite oh, yeah. men. You mean, yeah, like the, the Boys Club or whatever. The, the Good Old Boys Club. Yeah, yeah, the Good Old Boys Club. Exactly. You and it's funny, use the same you would say uh you would use the same words almost and it would be hard for an outsider to detect what you're talking about. So I've I've we uh my area, the good old boys go to a duck dinner around Christmas and um you know that's the big time deals get made millions of dollars. These guys are attorneys. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude, no, that's who I hung out with, man. Like, when I was at Tulane Law, I hung out with all these old New Orleans families. They wear they wear the fucking vintage shirts all the time. Drive me fucking insane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they all, so the name's Quinn, and I'm going up to my uncle's duck blind this weekend. You know, they they do all their shopping at Bass Pro Shops. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's <laughs> the, the the croaky, the croaky class. You know, they carry around their uh, their um, koozie. You know, their LSU koozie. Well, I have to. I mean, I have to. And I've I've partied with many of these guys. Um, I'm. I've got to say, so I I wear the Costa croakies. What do other people do with their glasses that don't wear <laughs> croakies? What do you do with them when you're not wearing them? Well, I happen to have a a fine Japanese croaky that I bought in Silver Lake. So, you know, that's my <laughs> type of croaky. Okay, right, but yeah. It's a good point. No, yeah, wait, look, I'm, not hating, is... I'm not yeah. hating on them at all. I just, it was just, I, I got, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're, the, the, the issue with the South, here's the issue with the South. We, we, I don't know the South. As you said, I went, I was in New Orleans, but I would imagine the same thing in New Orleans applies to the rest of the South, which is, if you're not from there, you will never be able to really make it into the into the like um, core elite. You know, like uh, 
in New Orleans, it's all these the the crews for Mardi Gras, mm-hmm. and so you know they have it's like this totally opaque, dense system of these old families, and actually some of it is new families. It's just money, um, but it really is like you don't feel the possibility that you feel when you go to an LA or a New York or at least used to now it's Miami. Like you go to Miami, you feel this sense of like endless possibility. Yeah. Whereas New Orleans, like the ceiling is very, very low. Like for some, for an outsider to go to New Orleans, like you really can't get very far. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I understand, you know, I, I wrote about that in my last article about Miami where I, I posited Miami is, all the things that you're saying about Miami, I said that this was a good thing. This is where you could, this is, that was funny. That that was my thesis. My article was that this is where you would fashion a new elite was in Miami. Yeah. yeah, Because in Miami, like uh, one of the funniest things is, um, uh, so women there, uh, I I assume that women in other places, plastic surgery is very common. Everyone gets plastic surgery. Women in Miami, when they get plastic surgery, it's cool to wear your bandages out. <laughs> oh God, is that true? Yeah. Oh my God, it's like the it's like the uh, the label on your cap. Yeah, could like you I mean, rocking the label? Oh, dude, that's fucked up. Could you imagine like an old money person in Massachusetts doing that? They're, you know, they're both getting plastic surgery, but right? Yeah, it's just in Miami they 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 show it. That, that's amazing. Yeah, that's the 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 new money thing, like um. I also said in the article, so I like watches. I've got, um, uh, I have a Rolex. It was handed down to me though. But uh, it, 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 one thing that you, if you look at Rolexes, they'll say if if you're a, if you're a white guy, get the stainless steel Rolex, unless you live in Miami. <laughs> if you live in Miami, you're a white guy, get the gold Rolex. It's fine. It's it, that's the thing. That's the wearing the badge. It's a different. It's a different attitude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like more, right. I've heard that about Miami. No, I was in Miami recently and I loved it. I was just like, like, I think the fact that DeSantis flipped the County is huge. Oh yeah. I've spent a lot of time there. I've uh, I've dated some girls from there. I like, I've spent more time in Fort Lauderdale. Miami is so much fun, um, which man, it burns, burns a hole in your pocket real fast. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, all right. So, uh, wait, before we go, are you an SEC fan? I mean, I, you have a team? I, I, I don't watch college football anymore. And, and that is, it's a serious statement. So, I mean, last night was the, the Georgia game. Um, you need to be able to, uh, if you get in a car, like if you're in Texas, you need to be able to know what the Cowboys did last Sunday. If you're where I live, you need to know what happened with all the SEC teams teams in the Southeast. I played football in high school. I was pretty good at it. I don't really watch, uh, watch football anymore. It's, it's, I mean, the last, the last time I really enjoyed, and I did all my life. Last time I really enjoyed football was watching like, um, uh, the Tim Tebow Gators and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't watch anymore, but I still have to know enough to get through, uh, conversation because you, you're a weirdo if you don't watch football. Oh, here. Yeah, no, I learned that in New Orleans. Like you had to be able to talk LSU. You know, you had to be able to talk about the Saints. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you didn't, 
No, that's what I was asking. But um, all right. So let's talk about um, the good old boys as a brand. This podcast generally is about propaganda. So that means marketing. It means business. It means uh, spreading the message. Um, And there's a question I really am excited about asking you, but let's set it up a little bit. Um, so, so you, you mentioned good old boys has a sort of a double meaning. It mean, it could mean actually the elite, or it could mean your uncle, you know, who has a, a roofing business. What, why good old boys? Was that just something that came right out or did you, did you and Merrick have a long discussion about it? We didn't have a long discussion, but it would, it couldn't have been anything else because the show is about patronage. And a good old boys network, like if you, I'm, I'm pretty sure I haven't looked it up in a while, but it's either the dictionary, Wikipedia. If you look up patronage, it'll, it'll say it'll, it'll give you like a link to good old boys network. So it couldn't have been anything else. Oh, so it is still a reference to that. Yes. Oh man, you know, I read this. Um, this is a little bit off topic, but I read this article that you might be interested in recently about the. Um, former network of airport lounges throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So there used to be in every airport, like a gentleman's lounge that it, it wasn't money that got you in. It was reputation and it really had nothing to do with your money. It was like who you were. You had to get a special invitation to the airport lounge at every airport. But it was like these kind of old school, as you're saying, good old boys club things. And the way, you know, you know how they got destroyed? How? Oh, civil rights law. A Jewish guy (laughs) who was super rich, couldn't get into the airport lounge, and he sued. And ever thereafter, all airport lounges now cannot... Uh, it has to be just paid. It has to be just the amount of money you can pay, yeah. which is so funny because all that does is it makes it so there, as you're saying, it's not about patronage anymore. It's just about how much money can you shell out or like what credit card company are you a part of, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That That's such a great example. I'm so glad you, you brought that up because uh, – like the main comparison that people make to patronage is something which is, I mean, it's not a bad, it's not, there's people that their lens of politics is uh, they'll use the phrase, follow the money. Right. So who gave money to where? So in now like the patronage thing. So like if you're doing like a, uh, if you were doing a patronage analysis, me giving you a million dollars would be like, I wouldn't really care about that. However, if I, handed you personally a $20 check every week for five years to me, that would be like, this is a very, very strong patronage relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not the money. It's the relationship. Yeah, it's right. It's like the, yeah. Well, but wait, but why is the $20 even necessary there? I don't, don't, I'm confused about the. Because, because they're always, I mean, so in a patron's relationship, there, there is, there's, there has to be, uh, there, there is like, um, it isn't just, it isn't, you aren't mutual friends. So in the, in the, the classic graph, the patron gives protection, money, access, the client gives loyalty, thanks, and allegiance. So, uh, so wait, money, say that, so sorry, say that one more time. The, the patron gives protection, money, or access. 
the client the client gives loyalty, thanks, and allegiance. So that would be, you know, in the Godfather, the Godfather gives him, I guess you'd say protection. He gives him muscle. He gives to the uh the uh what do you call the guy that embalms people? Mortician. The mortician, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Uh he he gives him uh protection, he gives him muscle to go beat somebody up. And what does he ask for? He says he says why he says he says why don't you why you haven't called to see me you haven't asked even asked went to have coffee with me lately you don't tell me you don't even you don't even call me Godfather and what he's asking Ooh. for is allegiance and loyalty and thanks well but then why are you putting this layer of money in there because you're saying money can so money is a so he he the mortician could have come to Godfather and asked for a loan or something. And so money can be, uh, that's, that's the thing is like, uh, so there's some people that just look at money and money is an important thing. And money can be part of the patronage relationship, but it doesn't have to be. And it's well, more, so isn't that what all these people though? So taking the, to examine the left for a second, isn't that what the left is saying though? I mean, aren't they basically saying like we black people women, or at least the ID poll left, Aren't they all saying like, well, we, uh, black people, women, whoever, we're not included in the in the patronage relationship. So therefore, we have to destroy it. Well, you know that thing that you brought up about the um, about the airport uh, clubs or whatever. So, uh, a long time ago, I'm probably not that long ago, the United States was like the. I want to say the good old boys network, but, but the place it's well, it's close enough. The place where all the deals went down was the, um, was in the Masons, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course the point of the Masons was really that you can't join if you're a Catholic or a Jew. Yeah. Yeah. There's Chris. So I'm in Pasadena right mm-hmm. now, which is, that's where I live. Uh, and there's like a bunch of Masonic temples here. And this is known as like the only, gentile part of la (laughs) the rest of la is totally jewish dominated but and i mean even here is now too but it's like there's a ton of masonic temples here yeah i mean and uh there's there's no right scottish right is like one of the have you heard of that yeah yeah for sure that's like a subsect of it there's a right up the street from here there's like a beautiful scottish right temple it's crazy it's like gorgeous and huge yeah well they i mean they used to run the country possibly when i say run it so the thing is, there were all kinds of people that were in the Masons, but you had, like, uh, Mason was too big. There were cliques within there. That's where the business went down. Like, here, being at the at the duck dinner doesn't make you a good old boy, but that's where good old boy conversations happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, and so, of course, they're not wrong, and like, uh, in terms of if we look at, uh, if you if you were a Jew, you could not, and now, so in the Northeast, they did everything. They had the country clubs and you couldn't go to a country club. If you were a Jew or a Catholic, you couldn't go if you were a woman. Um, they're not, they're not wrong about that. Uh, now we don't really, uh, it's been a long time since then. I bet you there ain't too many cars parked outside that Mason temple anymore. No, now it's dead. It's totally dead. You just see these like ridiculous weddings and stuff happening in there. Yeah. So, and, uh, of course, uh, uh, like uh, these other these, I mean, there were other 
there's other Patriots networks, of course, <laughs> going on. I mean, uh, so at the same point where I'm not saying they're equivalent, I'm not saying it, it, it was as as good as being at, at the uh, at, in the Hamptons at the Country Club, but of course uh, there were other there were other patronage networks. Every there's patronage networks everywhere, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure what what to say other than uh, that's not really that's certainly not true anymore. <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely not true anymore. I'm just saying, like, if that's it, seems like you're calling for a return to that. To yeah, I am. And people yeah, and I agree. I mean, I'm completely on the same page. We need to have our repu- the, the Global capital abhors non-monetizable relationships. It, that's why it hates marriage. That's why it hates uh, male friendship. That's why it hates patronage. Because these are all relationships that it can't put a price tag on and then sell back to you. Absolutely. So like global control, the hedge fund class hates these type of patronage relationships. And that's why it hates um, clubs that you can be a part of that there's some mysterious force that's making people be part of this club that it doesn't understand, that it can't buy, right? Absolutely. So I completely agree with you. But we also need to then have some type of answer for the people, you know, it's like, we have to be able to blame the people who want to destroy that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like we have to say like, okay, you can destroy this club if you want to, but then you're just going to enslave, be enslaved by global or, you know, private equity also. Oh, it's, yeah, it's absolutely true. And I mean, so a good way to look at this. So I'm from the South. I'm Scott's Irish. There were no people like, uh, there's no people like me that were at those country clubs. Um, we weren't like, you need to be part of the Mayflower people. Um, yeah. our next episode is going to be on that again. All the, we've probably like three or four episodes. I loved, I'm surprised no one talks about this, but America had an aristocracy for a long time and like nobody really cares anymore. Um, I, I find that very bizarre, but, uh, I mean, my, my ancestors fought against these people. I, I, I certainly don't look at these people in a, uh, in a, uh, in a, I, I mean, I, I don't admire them as some kind of great, great thing over, over and above what they are. However, the country was better when it was, when there was someone who took responsibility for ruling it. Yeah. Instead of just being a casino where, <laughs> you know, when some, when there's, when there were actual people who felt like this country was theirs, that they owned it, um, they didn't want it to go to hell. You know, if you're if you're ruling this country or any country now, just steal the money and run away. I mean, who cares? It's you yeah. know, who gives a shit. Well, because because they're part of a different community, and that community is the globalist community, and yeah. that's something that we don't have a ticket to at all. I mean, they're they're doing shit we can't even imagine. You know, I mean, they're in uh, places and doing stuff that we're completely excluded from, and and because just the ceiling is so high, right? When you have a global community, it's not like, oh, you know, here's uh, the leadership of your city or your state or something. And, you know, oh yeah, we're doing some Coke and banging some hookers together and whatever. That's, you know, that's what we're going to do. And we have each other's secrets and whatever. When you're doing that on a global scale, you're, you're not talking about, you know, a hundred people out of 50,000. You're talking about, 
a hundred people out of a billion, <laughs> you know? Yes. So that ceiling is so high and so weird. And they're, they're the, the distance that those people are from the common people. It's like, you know, it's like that. Uh, this is why movies like Elysium exist because we have this visualization that the, the, the elites are on such a stratospherically different plateau than we are. We, so one thing that's important to understand in the American context is that patronage was, uh, patronage as uh, not, so patronage, not populism, patronage is ba- was basically illegalized. Yeah. They, call, they yeah. call this civil service reform yeah, and other right. things. Yeah. We talk about this a lot. So it was basically legalized. And what you, uh, and you have this sort of disgusting thing that happens. And this happens, this happens all across. So, you know, if you're in Cyprus or whatever, instead of having a local elite, a local big man that you can go to, you know, we had a big man here back when, back in the old times where there, if you, if you're, if you're, child had a had a a disease or they they were sick and you couldn't pay their medical bill this i mean i uh, this guy would pay it you you go to him he would pay it he he would fund the campaigns of all the republicans and the democrats i i mean that that of course that doesn't exist anymore there's there's there is no local elite because they would be squashed this this would all be considered illegal um in so many ways and this is across the globe because this is a global empire. And so if you're in Cyprus, yes. there's yeah. no local big man. There's, there's no. sort of local yeah. elites that, that do whatever that the, uh, the state department tells them to do. There's, there's no, there's no hope. What, what can you, what, what can you ever be other than, Oh, you go to Harvard and, um, yep. Yep. Exactly. It's, it's one massive single hierarchy. You know, where, where the local warlord is gone. It's like gangs. You know, the, the part of the reason why the streets of L.A. and these other cities have gone totally to shit is because there's no more gangs. Like in Hollywood, where now the streets are just homeless colonies, it used to be Koreans versus Armenians. And they were vicious. You know, they, they had their corners, they had their area, and they fought. They would have never for one second allowed a homeless encampment. I mean, think of the absurdity of a homeless encampment in gang territory. They would have not tolerated it for one second. Whereas now all those people are, are on heroin or they're, you know, at, a, at university, basically, you know, on some uh, massive debt that they're going to. So it's like, and they're all laddering up to the biggest gang, which is the globalist gang. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, this is a a funny example and it would be easy for people to take me the wrong way here. People from both political sides. So the last place that's really run like this directly in America is the prison system. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You hear about this. You hear about this. And what's so interesting is that I'm not, I I don't see any why, reason why this this wouldn't be true, is that essentially prison authorities encouraged the creation of like not just race gangs but like race nations within the within the within the prison system, and they certainly didn't stop it. They want they if you if you're a white guy and you go to prison, you can only sell with with a white guy. Everyone is is super separate, and I'm not. This isn't a Bernie Sanders message. <laughs> what this is is 
it's a lot easier to manage this population. And I mean, in a good way, like if somebody is, if somebody is fucking up, if, if there's a prisoner that's going around stabbing people or something, you can, you can go to their manager. You can call up a, a guy with a swastika yeah. on his forehead and say, exactly. Hey. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They want that. They want the little balkanized groups. Cause then it's like, yeah, here's a hierarchy and I know how to deal with this hierarchy and they have a relationship with the guard and it's very natural. It's just this like natural relationship. It's someone you can, and uh, I don't think the prison authorities were wrong to do that. Yeah. Right. Other than just total chaos, which would have, you know, just, I would assume if the prisons weren't done by race, it would just be, a, basically a competition sport for drug dealing and shit like that. Yeah. And that's, that's the microcosm for America right now. It's like, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, okay. Wait. So let's talk about bog beef. What is bog beef? Bog. So uh, I don't know. You ever seen the, um, uh, like a Rorschach test uh, yeah. where people just say the first thing that comes to their mind. Well, uh, I ha- I wanted to name myself stricture. Yeah, so but that's your name. That is your name. That's like, what's the difference between your well your at and your actual name? I had I had been discussing politics with Merrick for a long time. He told me he got on Twitter. He said, "Make me a, make a Twitter account." I sit down. I'm like, "Okay, I'm Stricture." So, name Stricture. User and handle. I typed in Stricture, and it said it was taken. It was taken by a Korean person or something. And so, uh there was just whatever the, the flotsam at the top of my brain was said bog beef, which is, it was kind of funny. I mean, now in hindsight, I was living in Texas and I'm really a creature of the swamps of Florida. So, you know, it, it, I, I, it was just random things floating around my brain. Really nothing else. That's so funny. What is stricture? Uh, stricture is a, is, is a, is a, like a rule and it, it's like an archaic word for rule. The, um, there's a phrase people use the, the rules and strictures or whatever, but, um, stricture is, is, is a, is a, it's a rule, but, but it means that it's emphasizing the prohibition thing. Like, like there's, uh, the strictures of this country d- disallow, uh, alcohol or something like that. that that's what it means. So why do you want that? What does stricture have to do with it? It's a cool name, and it and it and it kind of it, it's a it, it's a it's a it's a right wing name for sure. And it's uh, I thought it sounded cool. <laughs> why is it a right wing name? Because uh, it's 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 uh it's it's about prohibition. It's about it's about uh, no. It's about a rule. It's about you can't do that. Stop it. It's it's sort of Ooh. like the opposite of, of stricture would be naming myself like freedom or or or, or uh, something like. I'm not against well, freedom. Wait, both of those things are right wing things. Uh, liberation, right-wing liberation would be the opposite of stricture. I would say. It well, yeah, liberation. Uh, it's funny because there's freedoms and not freedoms in both, right? Because equity is the death of freedom, really. You know. It's not like the left believes in any more freedom than the right does. Yeah, I mean, I think what what you find is that these things are. Um, this is this is so that uh, Thesaurus says this funny. It's all very negative sounding words. So um, the source is blame, criticism, rebuke, or reprobation. So maybe I don't even understand what my own name means. So, <laughs> uh, blame, rebuke, all this kind of thing. So, so maybe I, I'm learning something here. Uh, the opposite of compliment of praise, but we get yeah, talking about freedom. So freedom is 
it's never um i mean this goes this is all classic now i think these things weren't widely known in the right wing and they have been in the past 10 years a lot of this i'm not catholic i think a lot of this needs to be awarded to the catholics who's talking about people like gk chester and stuff there's that these that uh there's never there's never total freedom freedom is only available in it's i don't know it's hard to say you need what you need you need a lot of rules to have spaces for freedom uh etc yeah of course yeah i mean that's you it's almost like you're you're kind of picking and choosing uh where the freedom lies of course right and i mean the yeah i mean this goes into a larger conversation about america but let, let's not get too far sure. into that right now otherwise we're going to be banting and this is not a bant cast <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to bant cuck me like you did uh you kind of bant cucked the new right guys <laughs> it became a bad guess but they 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 let you guys do that because they made it about um blood sport which we'll talk about in a second because that was actually my favorite conversation of the whole year and by the way i love those guys um so but hold on it said you have this kind of noirish um uh, description a watch the a washed up private dick alone in the city of sleaze so are you really an ex-detective? No, uh, I love noir. Uh, okay. Noir, I think about, I think about my place in society through, a, 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 like, I just, I love noir so much and it, it just sort of informs my thinking so much. And like, I, I've, that should, like that space in my, you know, I have like 20,000 followers, whatever, that should be where I put an ad for a podcast or whatever, but I just love noir too much. Um, it. it's, it's how I think I, about myself. I, I think that's one of the, like, I I'm guessing that noir doesn't really come from America. However, I'm going to claim it for America and say that like, uh, you know, the, the, as far as the great things that America produced, it would be like noir and blues music, that kind of yeah, thing. And right. blues, I just, noir. No, it's definitely American. Come on. Who else is doing right? No, well, it's gotta be us. It's Raymond. Is it, I can never remember if it's Carver, Carver or Chandler. It's Chandler, right? Raymond Chandler, Carver, sure. Chandler. It, I can never remember. Every, well, this always comes up and someone always brings up some French person or something. And then you go look it up and it was really late or whatever. I love noir. Oh no. Raymond Chandler was, he was no. Yeah. This is, Oh crap. He was British. That's not good. Uh, well, he was American British. So, um, yeah, no, noir, noir is American. That, that's funny. I've never actually thought about that. Definitely the blues. Um, although our, <coughs> our Curtis Yarvins would not approve of that opinion of ours. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, blues, it comes from a lot of places. I mean, you know, uh, who's the black guy that wrote basic economics? Wait, what? Uh, Normie cons love him. Um, oh, uh, are you talking about the Harvard guy? Yeah. Uh, Thomas Sal. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Sal wrote a book that that claims that uh, basically all of black culture uh, came from rednecks. Uh, he, he kind of. He was kind of saying it like that the black people need to let go of all this stuff. <laughs> because it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, rock and roll is a fusion of blues and uh, 
folk for sure. But it, where did it, so jazz is the only thing I'm like slightly, I don't totally get where jazz came from because that was the guy. Who's the guy who does like uh maple leaf rag. Like that was like, that was before even like Robert Johnson was like 30 years after that guy. So the blues was actually after jazz in a way. Yeah. So, you know, in the South, I know a lot of right-wing people don't like this so much, but yeah, right-wing people do not like this conversation because it's like giving black people too much credit. But in, whatever. In the South, right-wing, I mean, in the South, white and black people are more mixed together. I know up north, like I went to San Diego and I wasn't like, I went to San Diego like three years ago and I was in an area where like I looked around and there was so many people around. I was like, I don't see one person that's not white. I was like, wow, this is, and it's not like they don't live there. They, they just have more segregation. I guess. That's San Diego, though. That, the San Diego is very segregated. This, L.A. is not like that at all. L.A. is very uh, totally different than San Diego. Yeah. I, I, if I lived, if I had to live outside the South in a city, it would be L.A. because it's like an anti-city kind of. Yeah, L.A. is a weird place, man. There, there is nowhere on earth like L.A. LA. L.A. is, I mean, at least that I've ever been. You know, I've heard maybe Sydney's kind of like it. I've heard maybe like the Middle East is kind of like it. You know, like Dubai is kind of like L.A. But mm-hmm. I, and I've never been to either of those places. But I've been all over the world, and L.A. is completely different than every other place. Like, you know, San Francisco is basically a European city. European it just city. kind of supplanted there. And then you have your Texas cities, which is which are basically overgrown small towns. And, but L.A. is just a freak of nature. Like, this place doesn't make any sense. It's so weird. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, in my opinion, uh, my and I'm certainly biased, my, my favorite artist of all time, I'm, uh, I'm most likely related to him. My family uh, is Hank Williams Sr., he's sort of the god of the south i mean like country music everything everything we hank williams means everything in the in the deep south and uh in my opinion the first country song is moving on over by hank williams Uh, okay he was now he he was talking about this this thing where whites and blacks were more mixed mixed around so i mean this is super much today like are there poor white people in new york city i've never been in new york city but are there uh not that i've seen not that I've seen. Yeah, like what wait, would you wait, do? Wait, what song did you just say? I'm putting it on my. Uh, move it on over. Move it. Move it on over. Yeah, it's it's got the same format. It's got a guitar solo, everything, and um, uh, Hank was taught. Hank Hank his his parents didn't have any money. Well, I say his parent, his mom sort of ran like a whorehouse. Wait, that's uh, Junior. That's the wrong Hank Williams. Well, I'm, I'm sure Junior's is certainly played it, but um. It's Hank Senior. Okay, uh, I got it. And um, anyways, uh, he was taught he was taught guitar by uh, by a poor black guy, and that that that's it. Yeah, that's it. See, that's very bluesy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, yeah. and, and this would be, uh, and this is like the perfect thesis for that uh rock is country and blues sort of fused together which yeah. aren't aren't really all that different anyways but they are different there's no you don't have to have a guitar solo in a in a country song but anyways yeah um south alabama <laughs> all right so 
So, uh, okay, wait, let, let's just go. So I don't want to run out of time here and I want to talk about this. So you had this amazing conversation on New Right, which was you and Merrick taking different sides. You were all analyzing blood sport, which, by the way, for people who are interested in good old boys, it's really a deep cultural analysis. So you guys have X-Files analysis, analysis episodes. You have uh, movie episodes. You're, you're always talking about these sort of fixtures of culture. And you have this discussion, this dissection of blood sport. And in blood sport, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. And in the end, um, there's a moment where the Asian bad guy throws stuff in John claude Van Damme's eyes and John claude Van Damme has to defeat him blind. Mm-hmm. Right. And that kind of led to a discussion of the, um, it's not the acceptability. It's the strategy of cheating in a competition. Mm-hmm. And you had said that, you were taking the side of if you're not cheating, you're not trying that yeah. you have to, you have a duty to cheat. If you're really trying, this is the Machiavellian side. This is the Saul Alinsky side. This is the side that says, you know, punch your opponent in the nuts when the ref isn't looking and you better be doing that if you want to win. Yeah. Whereas Merrick seemed to be uh turned off by that. And he was saying, no, no honor. We need to have honor. There has to be some code, um, et cetera. So what I want to know is in your own career as a podcaster and as a creator, are there, do you have any code? Do you have any code of ethics from which you won't deviate? I'm sure that we do. I don't, I don't know where these, these things would happen or how it would come up. There's things I wouldn't do because it would make me feel wrong or whatever. However, if I was, say, not myself and I was an agent working on behalf of good old boys, or let's say oh, yeah. someone hired me to be an agent for another podcast or whatever, I, I would be I would I would have the attitude of uh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And honor, honor comes afterwards. So uh, I used to play competitive Street Fighter video game. It's basically dead. There, they, there hasn't been a good Street Fighter in like a long time. So it's, it's, there's nothing. There's people that still do it, but it's it's a waste of time. And what was so interesting is, so I don't know, have you ever played a fighting game like in the arcades? Yeah, of course. No, I've played Street Fighter. I mean, I, I grew up on Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat. So when you play it in the arcade, uh you ever hear so people say that's cheap, man? Don't do yeah. that shit. Yeah, the jump kick, the jump kick was super yes. cheap. Yeah, they, <laughs> they call that uh, the bodega combo because yeah, <laughs> it's so easy to do and it's so powerful. Yeah. Now, the the thing, and so something will happen. Well, people will say, well, there's this character in a Street Fighter game that's too good. They're too good, and you shouldn't pick them, and. What all that happens is, uh, well, some people pick them, and then the people feel bad about it. And if you're really good, you shouldn't do it. And like, there's just all this bullshit. And what 
you should really do if you want if you let's say you hate this character this character should not be in this game it ruins this game this shouldn't be allowed this i i don't need this doesn't have to be about about um about video games it could be let's talk about football in football there's a con- thing there's a controversy that's coming around about the qb slide you know the qb slide yeah of course they made this rule like 10 years ago it says if you're trying to tackle a qb they can slide and, and if you do tackle them if you touch them there's a big penalty and it's kind of, it's a, it's an abusable technique. You can abuse this shit. Cause what you do is you act like you're going to go for a slide. The guy backs off and then you keep running and it's just, it's just highly abusable. If you don't like this, or in fact, like if you're just like, if your your team is the best and you think this, this little trick is able to ruin the sport of the game and the honor of it, what you should do is do it every damn, every damn play. Until everybody agrees to ban it. That- yeah, but okay. So this is why I want to bring this into the podcast universe. Because it's very easy to talk about this in the abstract universe where we're not in it. Yes. But what about for us? Like, I don't know how much you need this to be a source of income for you. But like, if you could, for example pay some PR agency tomorrow to manufacture a story about how, you know, bog beef, uh, you know, like, like, um, (laughs) like, (laughs) I'm trying to think of the most absurd stories I could possibly think of, but you know, like, um, like, like slid in the DMs of Dasha, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, and and some like uh, Jewish PR agency came up with this totally sensationalized story, and they were gonna feed it to I am seventeen seventy six tomorrow, and you knew that that was gonna get you to the top. Oh, you were gonna triple your um, uh, Patreons. You were gonna then be making, you know. Uh, However, I don't, I think you guys, I've looked, but you know, if you were going to be making five, three times as much a month, would you do that? If I had like a dozen employees, I would do it. If it's just me and Merrick, I wouldn't do it. That's, that's why I bring up the, the thing where the I said agency thing. Yeah. You keep going to this agency thing, right? Because it's, if it's for your own, like that's, and I don't know if I said that on the podcast, but if you cheat to win the tournament for your own good feelings or whatever, then there's not, of course, there's nothing good about that. Now, if you're, if I'm your attorney. Yeah. You said this about attorneys, but what difference, I mean, if you're the agent of somebody, legally speaking, you're the, 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 um, operator of an agent is in the legal sphere responsible for the actions of the agent. So do you not think that the le- the, the person who's paying an agent, I mean, look, if you pay somebody to kill somebody, you're going to jail, right? Hmm. I'm not, I'm not sure. All I know is if I'm representing other people and they're looking up to me and, I, and I'm working on their behalf, uh, then I need, then my personal honor doesn't exist. I need to just win. If it's yeah. just to make myself rich, then of course there's nothing there's nothing good about that. That's uh, that's 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 a very low thing. Uh, if I'm a politician and 
my people and my people are going to suffer if I if I don't cheat on the ballot. I need to cheat on the ballot. And and if if the thing if things go wrong and if I get caught, I'm going to take responsibility. Yeah, you had a really good example in that argument. I was going back and forth, and you had a really good example of. Uh, I think it was like somebody on a battlefield or something. And it was like, this is what you have to do in order to get back home. Then it's like, or something like that. I forget exactly what the example was, but it was a very, I mean, cause that one's very obvious. I, I don't think it was exactly that, but it's like, if this is your option to protect somebody, then you're going to go to very, very great lengths to do that. Yes. Because let's, I mean, let's look at the situation. So if I'm, Let's go, let's do the attorney thing. So if I'm the, your attorney and I could have gotten you off, uh, but I don't because it will make, it'll give me some bad feelings or at my, uh, well, I'm, I'm above that. I, there's, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Well, now what, what are we, what are we maximizing? We're maximizing my own good feelings. And to me, that feels wrong. Mm, very interesting. So with regard to the podcast, how much do you want it to be uh, like, do you really care whether it's like the greatest podcast in the world or, or not? Well, it's hard to say. So right now we're in uh, the zone. So... I still have my day job, <clears throat> so it's extra money. And so now if I, if I didn't have my day job, I would assume that I would have a different attitude. Now, my, my, I think my focus, it, like what, I, what am I maximizing right now as far as good old boys? I'm maxing, ma- trying to maximize my own skill level. I want to get better at doing this. I don't think I'm ready to be uh, prime time yet. And I think I, you're ready. I don't see what else you could do. I, I think I have more time because I've listened to, I listened to, there's, please don't listen to it. There's an interview I did like two years ago when I just started like two or three years ago with on Oron's channel. And I was like, Oh God, this is terrible. And it was just the, the time, the hours, the getting, getting the reps in. And, um, you know, that's, that's sort of what I'm maximizing, maximizing myself for. Thank God. I I'm not in a situation yet where I'm like, uh, you, you may notice, like, uh, I have a big Twitter account and I essentially hardly ever use it to promote my own podcast, which is that's throwing money away. If my goal is to blow up my podcast. Wait, why is that throwing money away? Why? You know, if you, you have 20,000 followers. Why not blast ads out constantly? And it's, it, et cetera. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, like I said, I'm just not in the situation yet. You know, Maybe I should be doing that. I'm not sure, but I don't feel any drive to do that. And I, I sort of operate on intuition and a lot of these things. So I worked for this uh, guy who it was an agency. It was a branding agency, very kind of top. This was sort of like a, a dream job. And uh, he was trying to create a podcast about dumb fucking business advice bullshit. And when you get into this business advice game, um, you realize that in terms of the marketing world, there is absolutely no audience for marketing content. Mm-hmm. Nobody 
actually wants to read about marketing anything. It, it's a non-existent audience. So you have all these grifters out there trying to like five tips for marketing your blah, blah, blah. And, you know, somebody told them that, oh, doing content is how you get subscribers and that's how you get people to respect you. And for the most part, that's untrue. But there's um, one of these books that was written called, and I'll just say it because it, why? I don't care. It's called Play Bigger. There's this book called Play Bigger, which is one of these business books. And uh, the guys who wrote this book called Play Bigger, this book is like how to brand your company. You know, it's be, be a category creator. They started a podcast called like something about pirates because, of course, you know, these people think they're pirates. And um, I, I like in working for this other guy who wanted to mimic this, I started researching their podcast and I looked at the reviews. And if you look at the reviews of this podcast, it's like thousands of reviews. Like at first glance, this podcast looks like the most successful marketing podcast you've ever seen. It's like, oh my God, these guys have so much attention and they're, they're amazing. You look at these reviews, they're all fake. Every single one of them is fake. You read them, they don't mention the names. They don't mention anything about the podcast. It's very obvious that they bought these reviews. But these guys are running a multi, multi-million dollar company agency a year selling their ideas based on the idea that they're like really popular. By the way, I've seen this in the entertainment world too. I've seen this with people that are close to us. They've bought followers and people just buy it and that gives them a career. So like, are those people smart or are those people dumb? Well, they're certain they're certainly uh, smart. You'd have to say. Right. I mean, you know, not dumb, but like they're definitely smart. But are they like bad? Like, should we not be like them? I would probably say so. I mean, I wouldn't do that. Uh, then again, you know, maybe that's I. I, I don't really understand. Like, um, you know, the, in terms of marketing, yeah, you know, I've thought about marketing a lot. We don't. We really don't do any marketing. Well, there was a time where I thought, wait, hey, we should do some marketing, and then I realized that essentially all of our Listeners come from uh, word of mouth or whatever. Uh, I'm sure this is this is some of this is laziness. We could we should do some marketing. It's but um, I mean we're I'm better at podcasting than I am at marketing. So yeah, right, right. you know all I know how to do is 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 make more and better podcasts, of course, and, and try to and try to get my my skill up, get my level up, because uh, it, it it's not where I I'd, I'd like it to be yet. But I mean it's what you see there. I mean, I, I guess that's just the nature of a young market. I mean, think about all the IPOs people bet all their money on pets.com and all this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so it's people like, I mean, really, if I wanted to make money, I, I need, I need to <clears throat> like dox myself and stuff. No one's going to actually give you money. Uh, you know, if, if they, if they, if they don't know who you are, especially like, I don't, I, I don't even know how this stuff works. All I know is I have Patreon or whatever. So why, why are you Anon? There's a couple reasons. I mean, so I would think the main reason being honest is, uh, so we think about 
so there are people online that are like essentially famous, like someone like shoe on head or Christian Chandler, whatever that guy's name is. Um, these people are essentially famous. Millions of people know who they are. Now in the old days, fame always went with money and reward, even infamy. But like, uh, you know, there's no, there was no thing in the seventies where you're like Harrison Ford, but you don't have any money to, which sort of smooths a lot of these things over. You don't have to, Harrison Ford didn't have to go to the grocery store, et cetera. Now I'm, I'm being, I'm going over the top there. One second. I'm going over the top there, but, uh, the, like, is it worth becoming an internet character for two grand a month? I mean, maybe, maybe it doesn't matter. I'm not sure. I know it would probably mess with, mess with, uh, my own narcissism or whatever. It's certainly not something I'm against. Eventually it'll, it'll have to, ha- eventually it'll have to happen, but there's Wait, like, what do you mean worth? You are an internet character. You mean worth becoming a, a face fag? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so like, is it, is it worth being this, this, this character that did, um, I don't, the internet is a different, it's a different thing. It's like, um, it's like, uh, you know, people will try to swat, swat you or whatever. Yeah. That would not do it unless it was something that like you could just sort of sit down and veg out at your computer four hours and you're just kind of like the characters not like no one thinks about like these online people when they get up from the computer. It's just this you're in this weird virtual planet. I don't I don't really like that. Uh, another big thing is that um uh just being honest, you can't get health insurance from internet jobs. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm not, I don't even, I'm not sure how to say that there's, you can't podcast yourself into health insurance. You can get health insurance. If you have a real job now, depending on the real job you have, you maybe can be famous. Like, so I like to have the freedom to joke and say whatever I want. There are times I'm not very controversial. However, there's times where people have been pissed off at me or whatever. And if they could, um, make my life more comp, just, just call my work or whatever. And just like, say whatever they want. Like, uh, hey, this guy is this or this guy's whatever, whatever. Just the uncomfortable conversation with my manager, or whatever. That would make them feel happy, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, no, dude. I've I've experienced it. I totally know. I mean, I know exactly what you mean. I, no, I'm not saying you shouldn't be. I'm just asking. You know what the oh, decision yeah. is. No, I think you know anons are. It's important. I I am not one of these um, people who thinks anons are bad and you know, face fags are good or, or vice versa. I, I think uh, we both play a role. You know I mean? We, we all play a role in this thing. And I mean, the only thing I'll say about you and, and Merrick is that you guys aren't like BAP, you know, he is out there doing ultra racist rants. Right. And yeah. he, so for him being anonymous is an absolute necessity just because the stuff he's saying is so crazy that it's like to be a public figure would be very complicated. You know, I mean, he'd have to basically go to Andrew Anglin territory, which uh, Andrew Anglin's like hardcore white supremacist or, you know, or Richard Spencer. And it's like putting that level of a target on your back is just not worth it. Whereas you guys aren't really, I don't think anything you guys say is particularly offensive at all. Really? Uh, I, I I agree with that. <laughs> I agree. You, know, you guys are pretty careful. 
You know, it's not like you're out there saying the most possibly, you know, and that's the other thing about that. You know, BAP and, and some of these other guys, they exist to say the most offensive possible thing. Like, that's why they're there. I don't think they actually believe a lot of that stuff. They're just saying it because it is the most offensive possible thing, right? Well, I, I've, I've, uh, I've had a couple conversations with him, very short, whatever. I don't, I don't know him, uh, but I, I know that um, the people in that sphere, of course, they wouldn't be interested in our stuff because it's, you know, you that's just it's it's just different. Now, I, you got you got Yarvin on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's true. Now, I would say this. So, I've heard them. So, I think they have a strategy with that. Like they're, it's one of these things where they they're like you push the conversation or something. I'm not sure, uh, but uh, it's certainly true that like you know if you want to. Uh, if you're going to do like Holocaust denial or something, that's like literally illegal yeah, right. in many places. Like yeah. you, if you get off a plane in Germany, they could, they could, yeah, put they could really on. fuck with you. No, for sure. No, exactly. That, and like, look, I think there absolutely is a place for, there should be like, did you ever get into Gigi Allen? I, I, I know someone that went to a Gigi Allen concert. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love Gigi Allen and I love Gigi Allen because he was like, I am going to go to every single place I'm not supposed to go, right? Like that that was his entire point of being. And I think you need those people. You know, you need to be able to have that exist. Like I'm I'm not saying it should be accepted, but those people shouldn't just be like straight up killed or completely silenced. You know, like that's kind of what's amazing about America is that we leave the door open for that type of person, right? Yeah. Um, but I also understand, like, if you want to do that with a certain level of personal protection, that's great. And, you know, then that leaves open the door for people like me to be like, oh, dang, like, you know, this guy's out here saying these really pure thoughts. And let me, uh, that's great, because, you know, then we can hear those thoughts out loud. I mean, that's what art is, you know, like, it's important to be able to just hear those things. You know? Yes, there, there, um, there has there. There's a great tweet uh, a friend of mine made the other day that that's 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 not anonymous, and he was talking about how important it is to be like a uh, that that there is there's a bridge of people. So he says, making the the gate be open between. Uh, he said heaven and earth, but he's talking about you know anon and faith because if your face. There's some things you can't say now. Of course, that's that's so odd because we could basically say we could basically say the same stuff. I mean, it's not like we would get arrested or whatever. And I believe we're we get our money from Patreon, which comes with its own uh, Patreon. You got you. It's not the same thing as other as, as like being on Substack or Gumroad or whatever. Um, I bleep out bleep? absolutely anything. Do I? You have to bleep on on Patreon. Oh yeah, we I bleep anything that that could potentially really? get us kicked off the platform. Yeah. Oh, dude. Like, but not swear words, right? Because they probably love swear words. <laughs> yeah, of course. Just, like any ideas. That's that's what that's what's just so uh, hilarious. And essentially, it's bleeping stuff that relates in a certain way to civil rights law, which is something we oh, talk about God. a lot. That's amazing. That's insane. And then so it means that they can't pick it up because they're not actually, they just have some AI listening to things. 
that that that's that's certainly part of it. I mean, also is there's just uh, I, we talk about this a lot. So, um, uh, one of one of my big hobby horses is being against the way civil rights law has been interpreted since 1968. Yeah, well, it's Caldwell, right? Yeah, and so what's so funny about it is that it's possible to write a law that would do something. And I'm not saying anything particular, but it's just possible to write a law that would, that would address civil rights in in any kind of way. I'm nothing in particular, but it would be illegal to like announce what it was going to do because it's, it's the civil rights law is a, is a joke. It's no, I don't think there's, I mean, I'm sure there's people that are against the original 1968 stuff or whatever, but I don't, that's like, you're just kind of in la la land. You're, uh, it's not really realistic. Now, I think a lot, most people, most people think that civil rights law says that people should be treated equally under the law, which I think that's a, that would be a fair deal to uh, go back to. Of course, that's not what it is. No, There's, it's, it's completely insane. There's uh, I always tell people just look, look at disparate impact. If you look yeah. at that and you're just thinking, this is part of the American law and it's no, been it, that way for yeah. years. And this is why everybody really needs to read age of entitlement. Age of entitlement is like one of the most important books written in our time. And it, it, I know some people in our scene say that actually the destruction of America dates back to the new deal. And I, th- I would think Yarvin would probably say that that's why like America is a communist country because of the new deal. But as somebody who went to law school, I will say that you dig into the civil rights law and it's or the civil rights act. And it's very clear that the civil rights act basically destroyed the constitution. Like the, the parts of the constitution that are American, you know, like the first amendment, uh, right to assemble, right to practice religion, right to like build your community the way that you see fit. Basically, the civil rights law ended that. Absolutely, and I mean, uh, what's so what's so interesting about this is that uh, Rand Paul and like I, there's a lot of things I don't agree with libertarians about. However, libertarians, like even kind of corny ones who are like <laughs> pro-immigration and stuff, yeah, they, they have been able to say it with the lights on, with their face shown since like the '90s, like. Oh, the civil rights law needs to be civil rights act needs to be abolished, which is, uh, I don't, it's interesting that, that they've been able to, they're the only people that, that sort of, I know said that, that. Is, I was literally thinking about that just yesterday. I was like, what if I wrote an article where the title was, you know, the, the civil rights act needs to be repealed. Like, I feel like most people would view that as me just saying, I hate black people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of right-wing people have noted we have black people on our show. Yeah. Right. Depending on which black person you are, the Civil Rights Act may not really help you out a lot. It's, it's of course, it is, it is a million things. In 1968, it was supposed to be black people can use the same water fountains as everybody else. And 2023, I mean, it people have no idea how effed up it is. Uh, it's totally insane. And of course, whenever you make an easy button, everything just goes back to the easy button. Why well, would you? But it also is an original sin because even the water fountains, right? I mean, so there's a great case called the uh, Heart of Atlanta Motel or something. 
And it's about a black trucker who, this is right after the Civil Rights Act was passed. Uh, he, or maybe it was like right before, and this was one of the cases that decided or made it so that it got codified. But it was basically this black truckers driving around the South, or I think it's actually, yeah, it's Atlanta, heart of Atlanta motel. He's driving around the South and he can't stop anywhere, at least according to the ACLU or whoever filed this case, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is one of the, as we've learned, all of these cases are actually, just like all these gay cake cases on both sides, they're all setups. Like none of them are actually really a case. They're all some activist organization sponsoring a case that they want. But, and I'm sure this was one of those, but, uh, Basically, the notion is, hey, is it fair through the interstate commerce clause or whatever, the commerce clause that the federal government has jurisdiction over, is it fair to discriminate against a citizen who's trying to make a living, he's driving around the South, and he can't find anywhere to stop, and he's a truck driver and he because he happens to be black? Yeah. The, you talk about the engineering aspect of this um and of course this is what this is the only way to play now so going by my old rules of playing dirty of course you should be trying <laughs> everyone should be trying to engineer these phony cases right. <laughs> I, merrick told me about that um uh rosa parks like, yeah, was, yeah yeah she wasn't the first person to do that there was like another person who stood up first or was on a different bus. Oh, and she was an activist, bro. She was a complete activist. It's such a fake story. That's like one of the great fake stories in history. Like she would completely set that whole thing up. Yeah. Do you remember the, uh, this is a, this is a deep cut, but do you remember during the Floyd protest, there was an old man that got shoved down by the police. He was just walking. Yeah, I think so. Probably that guy was like, uh, that guy was like, oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember, I remember. He was that. a vet. He was like a a Navy SEAL of being an activist or whatever. Oh, God. all this and shit this, is fake. See, but this is what I'm saying. This is why we need rules because it's like the the disgustingness or the revulsion that we feel towards Alinsky tactics. You know, I mean, it's just so gross. It is. It's like, ugh. God, it's all so fake. And, and like, they're just, I, I'm kind of with Merrick that it's like, come on, there's got to be some honor, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to win. I mean, that's, that, I, I'm not trying to, to rehash it, but, um, yeah. No, I, but, but at the same time, no, look, I'm not, I'm not totally disagreeing. At the same time, I totally get it. I'm, I'm also completely like, you're right. Like, you have to win. And if these are the stakes, are you just going to sit around, you know, like um, uh, Ned Stark and get your head cut off, <laughs> you know, because you don't want to play the game, which is what why that first season of Game of Thrones is so great, because it's like you think, oh, he's a good guy. And then he gets killed. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that, it's, this is the balance. This is something that I think people would agree, at least in the abstract, that um, – with dissident dissident right uh sort of gets wrong about normie right a lot is that a lot of the ways that normie right doesn't does things that people see as like them just cucking or whatever well they're just a lot of ways you just kind of got to do stuff however you can do it i mean the class there's a lot of people that are on the far right 
that'll have um, my George Wallace avatars. And George Wallace was probably the biggest active campaigner against the Civil Rights Act. Yeah, wait. So Wallace was the anti anti integrationist. He was like a Georgia or Alabama senator or something. Uh, yeah, Alabama governor. He's the Alabama governor. governor right? He's yeah. the governor. It's mentioned in Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Birmingham. They love the governor. And oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never put that together, but yeah, okay. Also, I mean, uh, much to these people's chagrin, massive populist massive populist also got a huge amount of the black vote by the way um now of course there's there's more to that story but uh massive populist one of the great populist american history and um he uh he distributed literature wrote about he said this is what he said that civil rights law is going to be abused and it's not going to be what you think it's going to be of course as soon as it was passed he had to change the way he did policy. Yeah. Right. Yep. I don't think anybody doubts his sincerity prior to the, the, he he was actively campaigning against it. Howard wants this, the rule. Well, you know, he could, he, I guess he could become a dissident. I guess he could start writing anonymously about how much it sucks, or you can just have to do what you got to do. Yeah. But, but doing what he had to do didn't get him anywhere. Did it? Well, he stayed in power a very long time. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I was a kid, uh, I went to, you know, I grew up in the, the most liberal environment possible. I, I grew up in Evanston, Illinois, where it's it's the only city in the country that has reparations now. Like I have friends from high school who have received reparations. $25,000. Wow. Yeah. And uh, just one time payment. And they set me up. They set us all up when we were in like sixth grade to write stories about political uh, heroes or political cowards and but they didn't tell us like who was supposed to be who and they put george wallace on there and i this was before i had any consciousness at all picked george wallace but i told like a good story about him (laughs) (laughs) like i was like this is why george wallace is awesome (laughs) <laughs> of course i got a terrible grade <laughs> i'm a big so it's funny that we're talking about it because i didn't even really fully understand but didn't he kind of bitch out towards it like at the end he kind of bitched out and he was like oh i was wrong oh, and yeah. that's what nothing I really happened that's what i meant he yeah he lost they lost the civil they lost the civil rights thing yeah, uh, lost. lbj lost. i mean so you know he was part of the democratic machine and lbj uh you know he took well i mean he he lost, and so he had to change the way he was doing things to sort of stay in power. He stayed in the game uh, for for a long time. I mean, I would rather have um, uh, post sixty eight George Wallace as my governor than anybody else. I mean, what what do you want him to do? It's uh, the battle was lost. I mean, wh- wh- ask what about you know gay rights and stuff? You could walk like. Um, the transgender thing is very, very, uh, is a hot topic today. Well, I mean, do you want to take a, like, if you want to take a strong stance on that institutionally, well, you're going to lose because the Supreme court decided three or four years ago that, uh, gender identity is a protected class. Yeah. I think that we'll get past that though, because to me, the transgender issue is so far beyond, 
like the transgender issue is church and state. I would say the transgender issue runs afoul of the establishment clause. This is my latest argument. I, I think, uh, you know, we have the establishment clause where the government shall not uh, support the establishment of any religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is like, you know, your city governments, your state governments can't fund religious schools to a degree, or at least not equally, or, you know, unequally. Um, I think that these law, these pro-transgender laws are anti-establishment clause because being gay, it's like, okay, a gay person is saying that I feel in the world that I'm gay, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, they're saying I'm, I'm attracted to men which is like, all right, like, fine. If you're saying I am a woman, but I was born a man, doesn't that imply the existence of a soul? Hmm. I, I'm, I mean, well, the, here's the, here's the, the deal. So uh, now this, now gender identity is a protected class. As of a couple of years ago. Now, what does that mean? Well, you know, it could mean a lot of things now, but we, what we have established, like protected class on paper originally was supposed to mean you can't get fired from your job for one of these attributes if it's not related to the job. So you could be fired from Hooters for having small breasts, but you couldn't be fired from um, uh, driving a truck if you're gay. Now that sounds very small potatoes. Like, well, you know, who gives a shit? Like, that sounds fine. But that has been extrapolated so far to where now if if gender identity is a protected class, well, this means like essentially like it it has to be like glorified and, and all these kinds of things. If you're if those arguments are able to be made about establishment and stuff, that means we have we we would have broken the seal on protected class to begin with, which, I mean, I think that would be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I just think, I think the transgender issue uh, goes to a, it, it just goes to a different level because you're assuming that, what does a transgender person say, right? What do they believe about themselves? Well, I mean, of course, what you're saying is that, I guess, I mean, so, well, you know, gay person believes things about themselves. However, institution shouldn't need to do anything different, right? You don't need a different, you don't need a different uh, uh, water fountain or uh, these kinds of things. You'll still take the same test when you go, when you try to join the fire department, et cetera. But now I think what you're saying is, Transgender person saying no institution needs to uh, change because of how no, I what think. I'm saying is what I'm saying is what does a transgender person believe about themselves? Oh well, you know what they're going to say. No, no, but then I mean, like in the mind of it, if you're a transgender person, what are you saying about yourself? Well, they're not. What they're going to say is. Uh, <coughs> They're going to say, here's a big stack of, of scientific papers by doctors. Yeah, sure. That says that they're going to say a big scientific stack of scientific papers. But this is why this issue is particularly good for us is because that scientific paper stops where? 
It stops when they say, I am this, right? Like, like they're saying, I am a woman, but my body is a man. I'm, so that then begs the question, who are you? What are you? And then the only answer for that is a soul. The well, only possible answer for who I am is something that is metaphysical. It's it's in the realm of God. I mean, uh, well, I see what you're saying. However, I think what uh, there's a the switch off point where you go from one to the other is where that would be. But of course, they're going to say, well, you know, now I've taken these hormones and they have these they have these scientific papers that say like, well, their brain waves resonate now at five less kilohertz, like a woman, etc. cetera. Uh, yeah. But then, but it still doesn't matter because where did they get that? I, they, they are saying <laughs> they, it, it automatically, it ought a transgender person. If you really dig down to the logic of it, absolutely mandates the existence of a soul because they're saying that their soul is separable from their body. They're saying that their selves, I myself is different than my body. And that is a soul. They're talking about a soul. And so that's like church and state to me. If I I was them, I mean, they they could, well, they will say, "What about deaf people?" What, you, what about deaf people? Well, they, they were, they were. Uh, God didn't give them hearing, but they. Right, but, but deaf they, people don't identify as non-deaf people. Deaf people are deaf. But they, right? well, they, well, they, I mean, they'll. This is, I mean, these these are the kind of bullshit stuff that comes up about like um. Uh, when fertility is brought up and they say, well, you know, some, uh, you know, some people get a hysterectomy or whatever. So it's the same. Uh, there's no difference. Anyways. I mean, I, I have a lot of, basically what you're hearing from me is I have a lot of skepticism from the, for the legal profession and I just assume, uh, <laughs> bullshit, but yeah, I mean, that's, that, that, that's, that's neither here nor there. I don't, I don't know enough to say. No, 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 no. I think what you're totally, look, I mean, we're both talking about the Civil Rights Act needing to be repealed, which I think it definitely does. And all these issues that we're talking about, the issues that you're talking about, the issues that I'm talking about, they all have their root in this same original sin, which is the Civil Rights Act. And th- that just, that act really did destroy the Bill of Rights. You know, it, it, it made it so that the right to assembly, the right to speech, the right, all of these rights are um, basically gone because now you have to serve whoever, you, you know, you have to serve everybody well, in your well, restaurant, well, you, which you, is completely not what America is about. Well, you see what the main what's the main argument they've gone with, with the transgender thing, which, you know, I'm not an attorney. I can't like, it's hard to say why you, what they're, what they've gone against is that, well, uh, well, these civil rights beat are taking away civil rights from gay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Wait, but what are you saying? So like there's conservative institutions that uh, like, 
I can't think of the name now. One of these libertarian institutions is anti-transgender. And like the way they've, they've gone about that is their engineering schemes and their people they pay to give talks and stuff are all like, like bull dykes and, and gay hairdressers and stuff who say like, you know, they would have transgendered me. And, and this is like, um, uh, this, oh, this yeah. is, this yeah, is like yeah. gay conversion therapy. Yeah, and, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so the only, so they're saying like, obviously, you know, in, in the civil rights constitution era, the only way to beat civil rights is with with more civil rights. Yes, yes. You know yes. what I'm saying? But that's bad, right? Well, I mean, this is the, this is going back to the whole. I, I'm who's to say? I mean, this may be the only like like I would rather repeal the Civil Rights Act. However, isn't this how business is done now? And then here we're back to the same conversation, which is, <laughs> yes. are we fighting the battle, you know, in the field or are we fighting the battle, you know, in the honorable zone? And so, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. There's different roles here. So if you're an attorney for, for the Heritage Foundation or the Federalist yeah. Society, maybe you need to think more like me. If, yeah. you're, if you're a writer for, uh, for uh, like the Heritage Magazine, the Heritage foundation magazine you should think more like merrick and talk about how things really should be well but i mean just to i feel like you're uh the, the differentiator there and then i know you, you got to go so we'll wrap this up right mm-hmm. away but um the differentiator there is that actually the people that are arguing these cases on the so the people who bring the cases are totally political operators so Mm-hmm. Even in this most recent case, you know, we have this case right now that is um, a conservative Christian website creation company. So like a website designer, they're suing a law that would force them, I forget which state, but they're force them to make a website for a gay couple, mm-hmm. right? So they're saying we don't have to use our artistic expression on behalf of this gay couple right although so again this is actually an activist case filed by the right wing side no gay couple has actually tried to get them to do it they're just suing the law <laughs> they just waited till the court was their way and now they've, they've engineered cases exactly, exactly. yeah so we, this... have, we have them doing the same thing right back right uh which is fine you know whatever I mean, the other one was equally gross, but um, I, I don't know if this one's gross. I mean, I agree with this because think, I mean, think about the absurdity that you're going to try and tell a website designer they are forced to make a website of any kind. This is why the Civil Rights Act has to be repealed, because you're talking about forcing people to do labor on behalf of people they don't want to. This is insane. Like, you can't do that. So anyway, this is the case. uh in front of them right now yeah and uh yeah so i don't know i don't know uh i i just think that that's like is that bad that they filed that you know is it bad that they my opinion i mean of course you know my opinion on that yeah you think good you think we needed to do it because you gotta fight we need we need street fighters to some degree so speaking of street fighters yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there, there's, there's other ways. I mean, there, the other, like, do you want to do have a revolution? 
<laughs> otherwise, I mean, you can do that. That's another way to go up. But otherwise, you have to play by the rules of the game. And I'm saying that obviously you want to break the rules, but you still, have, but uh, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah, yeah, these are the rules in front of you. Well, anyway, uh, dude, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on. Where can actually the one thing we didn't talk about? So, can you just lay out the all the links and all the places people can find you? Because there's actually this was something I struggled with in researching for this. There's quite a few touch points to access Good Old Boys. So, where should people go? Yeah, that's a that's uh that's that's something we should we could do better. So, uh patreon.com slash good o l b o y z that has uh both patreon content also free content is on there we have a uh we have a soundcloud you can get to from our twitter and all this stuff is available from our our twitter which is uh at g-o-o-d-o-l-b-o-y-s pod pod p-o-d at the end um and hopefully you can put a link in the, in the description or whatever um yeah there's some stuff on soundcloud there's stuff on uh spotify they just sort of, i don't know how that get stuff gets on there it just goes uh so yeah uh check it out if you want to be uh entertained it's a great pod it truly is uh i think i didn't say this in the beginning so i'll say it now but it is tr- really um the art of podcasting it's the highest level bant cast you can find i've i've never met a podcast that has more charisma and more relationship and also more just like raw naked knowledge than good old boys thank you uh so uh, uh, thank you for those kind of words so one of my one of the people i look up to which I'll, i'm not going to think of his name right now he was the he was the the leader of the of the north of northern ireland for a while he was crazy i mean he was the super intense guy it's funny he was a preacher and he was the leader of the country he was a great speaker and he talked about uh he's got this this uh timeless speech where he's giving it to other preachers and he's talking about how to build a church in a small neighborhood so you just go up to like how do you get people to go to your church or whatever and he said two things he says number one he says i have no gimmicks all i have is this book i just get up on i just stand up and I, this book, there's no gimmicks. He says, I, I'm not going to eat, you know, eat 12 eggs. If a hundred people show up here, it's just, and second off, you get in the pulpit, get on fire and people will come out to watch you burn. Mm. And what he's saying there is like, there's only so much that you can, that you can fake it, that you, that, that you just got to do it and do it well. And People, people will come listen, and I hope, uh, I hope some more people will come listen. Yes, that's it. Yeah, but what you, I mean, you, what you guys are doing really is a, a different level of professionalism. I, I think it took me uh, a, a few listens to get that, but what you and Merrick are doing is extraordinary. I mean, it really is. It's not just, there's a reason why you have the reputation that you have. It's not, it's not just, oh, we've been doing it for a long time. Yeah, well, you guys really have a craft and a serious um, skill and talent at what you're doing. Th- thank you. And what I was saying there is that, as far like, I'm not a professor. I don't like. We don't have. There's there's really no tricks. It's like this. Like the the goal. I mean, it's it's just basically good podcast. That's 
That's it. There's 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 not really any tricks. And it, well, maybe it's, it's time for more tricks, man. You're yeah. the pro tricks guy. Yeah, maybe I need some tricks, but uh, I think you need to hire Edelman to represent. To we've got we've gotten some emails lately. I, I've gotten some emails people people offering this this or that, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's intentional. I I hold myself to the standard of like a radio. That's where I want to be at. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're there. I I don't think you really need uh, the craft is there. I I just think I don't know. I mean, like. Is there another band cast? I'm trying to think of somebody else who's done a band cast like this and really like, is there anyone out there that has succeeded in this? I guess it's like Chapo, right? It's like Chapo. It's all left wing shit. Mm-hmm. Like Chapo, like some of the, what's the political one? Pod Save America. We have, like, you know, we have a lot of, uh, I think it's just because of the market of people buy podcasts. There's people we listen to us and say, I'm left wing. I don't agree with anything political that you say, but it's just entertaining. Yeah, no, it isn't. It's very entertaining. I'm just trying to think of like analogs of like, you know, other people that have done it, you know, that have gone all the way. But anyway, all right, uh, dude, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Thank you. All right. Hang, hang on a second. Let's see here.